Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jadikin. Desi, can you thank our Patreon subscribers for the past week today? Well, it's for longer than the past week. So there's a long list, actually. But I will thank them. If you would like to be thanked by me or Rachel, <laughs> both of us, obviously. Is this our first main back? Yes. Since Elizabeth Finch? Yes. Wow. So it's been a few, two weeks, maybe? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So here is everybody who joined our Patreon at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene, where you can get bonus content only available on Patreon, as well as ad-free episodes. And maybe we'll start posting recipes there. People seem to want that. And I have some recipes to share. That's a new idea. We're going to do it. Okay. So the end of last month, we had Adriana, Michael, Mary, Jen, Rory, Rachel, Jenny, Allie, Elizabeth, Amy, Raylene, James, Sharar, Louise, Bianca, Gigi, Bianca and Gigi. Ooh. <laughs> That's cute. Jackie, Sarah, Glasgow, Adam, Glasgow, Glasgow, Glasgow. I said it right. Yeah, you did. Okay. Georgina, Maria, Alana, Leslie, Molly, Zach, Ambrose, Jennifer, Angie, uh, Himina, Holly, Kimberly, Elisa, Elizabeth, Mary, Michael, Nora, Maya, Aaron, Aja, Louise, Claire, Laurel, Leslie, Nayara, Daisy, Laura, London, Jamila, Ashley, Sean, Angelina, Kimberly, Sarah, Allison, Hendrika, Diana, Sydney, Mackenzie, Jen, Lori, Kristen, Caitlin, Jesse, Faith, Carmel, Angela, Wednesday, Sharon, and Emmy, and also Stella. Oh, mom. are you? <laughs> Wait, are you giving a shout out to my mom? She she needs to get a little shout out every once in a while. Right, not every week, not every week. Sorry, Stella, but every once in a while, when we remember, yeah, we'll give you a shout out. Absolutely, that's only for my mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. So thanks, guys. Thank you all very much, Desi. Yes, it's been raining here in Los Angeles. Hmm. There. Are several songs that I get stuck in my head when it rains? MacArthur Park? <laughs> no. Wait. No, but I do love MacArthur Park. It's one of my favorite songs. Uh-huh. The Donna Summer version. Yes. One of the songs that I get stuck in my head when it rains. Blame it on the rain. Oh, yeah, I know that one. We're finally doing Millie Vanilli. You know what's so funny? I saw someone tweet the other day. That Millie Vanilli was, um, what happened to them was a travesty. Yeah. And I was like, that's so true. And I was like, we should do Behind the Music Month. Yeah. So maybe we can do that if I can find something. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great Behind the Music episodes. I was thinking like classic Behind the Music episodes. Right. From like the olden version, from the old version. Because I think they have a new version out, but it's like... No, we want, the, we want the original. The classic episodes we all remember. The 90s ones. Yeah. So anyway, I haven't seen that episode in particular in many, many years, probably since it was on the air and yeah. reruns or whatever. But I did have a variety of sources for this episode, which, by the way, has been a long time coming. We've talked about doing Millie Vanilli. Well, I think our problem was we didn't have sources or couldn't find things. I I originally wanted, I originally was like looking for a book where it was all in one place. So because there isn't like one 
tome yeah. recounting all of this stuff. I have multiple sources, like okay. a lot of different sources. I'm going to list them throughout the episode, but one of them is a very long interview on YouTube with DJ Vlad. And that's he's, he's he interviews all kinds of people. And also there was a 1990 LA Times article by Chuck Phillips, among many other newspaper articles. Okay. Let's get started. Accounts have differed slightly on the date and location that Robert Pilatus first met Fabrice Morvan. According to a July 1990 Ebony article written by Aldor Collier, Fab was in Los Angeles for a dance seminar when he first met Rob, who was in town visiting a friend. But Fab later said in the 2017 interview with DJ Vlad that the pair actually met in Munich. Fab Morvan was born 1966 to parents from the Caribbean and was raised in Paris, France. At one time a gymnast, Fab was seriously injured in a trampoline accident. Oh. So he took up dancing as a means of recovery. He moved to Munich, which was then West Germany, at the age of 18. He had seen Rob Pilatus several times out in the Munich club scene before they became friends. Rob told the LA Times in 1989, something clicked between us. Fab explained that when they linked up, they made a splash in Munich, becoming well-known in the club scene. Everyone's like, hey, it's those guys. For their dancing or... Yeah, yeah. they just like would go to clubs together and be like these two hot guys right. that were always hanging out. Fab said that he could only speak broken English at the time, so could Rob, That's and that's how they communicated to each other. What is their age now about, approximate? Like 20. Okay, so they're young. They're like 21, 20. Um, But neither of them could speak each other's languages, which was French and German, so they spoke broken English to each other. But they bonded instantly over their shared love of dance and music. Rob Pilatus was born in New York in 1965 to a white German mother and a black American father. He spent the first five years of his life living in an orphanage before being adopted by a couple from Munich. Growing up in Munich was really tough for Rob. He said that he often felt like an outsider, being black in a mostly white town, and felt disconnected from his identity as a black person. He told the LA Times, We learned about Goethe and Schiller, but not about Maya Angelou. Later, it was exciting for me to discover that there were black writers like her. He also dealt with racism at school. His fellow classmates would call him Kunta Quinte, which was a cruel nickname that furthered his feelings of otherness. It wasn't until the early 80s when black pop artists like Prince and Michael Jackson exploded internationally that he began to feel more accepted. Rob said, When I was 16, suddenly it was okay to be a black person in Germany. It was trendy. It was even fun. Like Fab, Rob had dreams of becoming a performer. He also modeled and danced. He even traveled to New York in 1984 when he was invited to an international breakdancing contest. During this time, both Rob and Fab were earning a living as models in Munich, but they had dreams of performing together as a musical act. After performing some local shows under the name Rob and Fab, the guys caught the attention of German music producer Frank Farian. Now, by this time, Farian had an established career, most notably as the creator of disco group Boney M. Oh, yeah. You know Boney M. (laughs) Do you you know some of their songs? Do I? Rasputin. Wait, how does that go? It's like, rah, rah, Rasputin. (laughs) I don't know that one. I'm sure you've heard it. Maybe. That's that's their 1978 hit. They're like I mean I love Rasputin. So I would sh- I'm sure I uh, <laughs> Boney M was initially just initially <laughs> Boney M was initially just Frank Farian who wrote and performed Boney M's first song. It was called Baby Do You Want a Bump in 1974. The song had success in Europe, and Frank decided to put together a group of Caribbean models and singers to front the band going forward. Okay. He's like, yeah, I I made this minor club hit, but what I really need is some hot people. Yeah. To front the band. 
Boney M was comprised of Liz Mitchell, Marsha Barrett, Maisie Williams, and Bobby Farrell. But the group's studio vocal recordings mainly consisted of just Liz, Marsha, and Frank Farian, the producer. Oh. So he was still singing on their tracks. Did he have a good voice? No, but it was... Better than the hot guys? It wasn't... <laughs> I wouldn't call it a good voice as much as I would call it a distinct... He's like... Yeah. They have... <laughs> Oh. Like, just go listen, go listen to Ma Baker. Okay. Which, by the way, Lady Gaga sampled that in Poker Face. Oh. So, it, it yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, he has a very distinctive voice. Okay. It's not like, oh, he has a beautiful singing voice. Right. But it's interesting. It's interesting. So, the only people besides him singing from this group he put together is Liz and Marsha. So, okay. he has female vocalists as well, too. Farian didn't feel that Bobby Farrell had the singing chops, so Bobby was lip-syncing to Frank's vocals during their performances. Oh. The band was an international success with hits like the aforementioned Rasputin, Daddy Cool, Ma Baker, and many others. Like I said before, Lady Gaga sampled Ma Baker on Poker Face. By the time he met Robin Fab, Frank Farian had established a formula that worked. Model good looks with someone else's vocals. Hmm. On New Year's Day of 1988, Rob and Fab met Farian at his Frankfurt studio for the first time. Fab remembers feeling reassured by his many gold records on the wall. This could be their big break. Rob said in 2017, We walked into a trap, but we didn't know it was a trap. Hmm. Frank Farian presented the guys with a demo song called Girl You Know It's True. The track was just an instrumental. Farian was like, can you guys sing this? And Rob and Fab were like, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, we can sing this. Now this song, Girl You Know It's True, was originally written and produced by a Baltimore group called New Marks. The song wasn't a hit in the U.S., but it did make its way into the German clubs where Farian must have heard it. So he reproduced this song and presented it to Rob and Fab that day in his studio. Farian signed Rob and Fab immediately, and the contract wasn't even for a lot of money. The name of their act would be called Millie Vanilli. <laughs> now, newspaper articles from the time of their like peak success claimed that the name meant positive energy in Turkish. However, Fab explained to DJ Vlad in the 2017 interview that they were inspired by the band Scritti Politti. Wow. Do you know Scritti Politti? I've heard of them. <laughs> so they're like Scritti Politti. Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. Uh, they, they were also inspired by vanilla ice cream. Well, that's more obvious. <laughs> <laughs> as well as somebody they knew named Millie. Oh, well, why did they make up the Scritti Politti thing? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because they're like, they're successful. Their name rhymes. I mean, did Frank come up with this name? I think Frank came up with it. I just feel like he had a reason, right? I don't think the, the guys had much input because he's, he's formulating this band. Yeah, it's his, it's his project right. that he wants complete creative control over. Yeah. Um, what's funny though, is all of the articles from like the late eighties and like 1990, every article is titled two scoops of vanilla or like oh. vanilla pudding. So they love it. They, they love <laughs> they, the pun. They love putting in like a vanilla ice cream pun. This debut album is anything but vanilla. I bet there, <laughs> I bet that was a title. I bet somebody used that for an article title. Um, so they named their band Millie Vanilli, and the guys are like, all right, sounds good. Well, they're at that stage where they don't care. They have a producer, and this is everything they've ever wanted. And he's actually successful. Yeah, so they're going to go along with whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're in their early 20s or whatever they are at this point. Yeah. Yeah. They're very young. Rob and Fab soon learned that Farian had already selected other vocalists to perform the song. Oh. Farian wanted Millie Vanilli to lip sync the track during their live performances. 
Fab remembers being shocked learning this information, but the duo had already signed the contract and started receiving some money. And at the time, they were broke. They felt like they were in a jam they couldn't get out of. Farian said if they didn't want to lip sync the song, they didn't have to, but they'd have to give back the money. Oh. And like, we can't do this. Yeah. Basically, Rob and Fab said to each other, okay, let's do the lip syncing for this one song, and then after that, we can get out of this contract. Right. But because neither of them had a lawyer present or even a manager to help them with this kind of stuff, they didn't realize that the contract stipulated they had to do three albums with Farian. <gasps> Ooh. They said it was like a thick document. document, and there was just all kinds of like, shit in there they didn't understand. Right. They've never done anything in the music industry before. You need representation for that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. That same year, Millie Vanilli's debut single was released in Europe and was a hit. The adoration the duo received on their subsequent promotional tour through Spain, Italy, and France was intoxicating. Fans loved Robin Fab's dancing skills, model good looks, and signature style. They became known for their long braided locks, which Fab later told People Magazine took eight hours to weave and cost $750 for each of them. Whoa. Rob said, Elvis had his look, Marilyn Monroe had the blonde hair, James Dean the look, the Beatles had hair. For me, I had to fix my hair, and then I could really be a superstar. I mean, they really were known for their hair. Well, yes. And their outfits. they both had it... Like that long hair. They, it was sort of like, oh. They both had long hair and they both had the spandex capri pants. The the short bike short pants with a blazer. The big. <laughs> and a lot of like bling, like They, they had some necklaces. Yeah, like. like or like a brooch. and amulet. Like yeah. what are they called? Those amulet. gold. Yeah, those. Like a brooch thing. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Lots of stuff. But they had stuff. They had. Uh, flair. They had flair on those blazers. <laughs> But when the time came to discuss the release of their follow-up single, which would be Baby Don't Forget My Number, Rob and Fab wanted to make sure it was them singing on the track. Farian told them, no, it's okay, guys. We already got this one recorded. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. We've, we've already done the work. <laughs> sit back, do your little dance. <laughs> <laughs> Fab says that Farian strung them along with the promise that eventually the guys would get to sing. By this time, Millie Vanilli was on a fast-moving train they seemingly could not get off of. I mean, the funny thing is, these songs aren't particularly difficult to sing if you can remotely carry a tune. Like, no, there's nothing like super skilled you need to have. You know what I mean? Like, that's what's so wild about this story. One of the things that's so wild about it is just that you're right. They're very simple pop songs. You don't need to be that skilled of a vocalist to do these. And with production especially, things can be fixed. Yeah. Like, he could have hired them vocal coaches. Well, yeah. But he he went into it with the, in, not, with the intention of not even ever letting them sing. Ever. Yeah, it had nothing to do with what they may have sounded like. Exactly. Fab later told the LA Times, all of a sudden, it was like another world. Tension all the time. You want to tell somebody, but you can't. When you realize what you've done, it hits you like a hammer. The debut album, which was titled All or All of Nothing, All All or Nothing. Okay. I wrote of, I'm sorry. It's All <laughs> or Nothing was released in Europe in September of 1988 and was performed by American singers John Davis, Charles Shaw, and Brad Howell. So the all was those guys did all the singing. <laughs> Robin Fad did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we sh- it was right in front of our faces the, the whole time. <laughs> well, they did that little knee dance they did. You know, the one where they kind of That's like- why they had to wear bike shorts. Because <laughs> it really accentuated. Because well, they did the little arm thing back they and did forth. This. <laughs> they did this one where they're cranking their arms back and forth. I remember their dance as well. Yeah. I mean, these guys were hot. And then they also did the thing where they would run and uh, chest bump each other. Oh yeah, and they would go into slow mo. Yeah, they. <laughs> that was like the moment when they're like they broke out of the routine. Yeah, like, that's part of the routine. <laughs> like they're just feeling it so hard. They had to chest bump in the air. Right, but it was part of it. It, it was, was all. It was all planned. It was all planned. 
So the debut album comes out in 1988, just in Europe, though. And Rob and Fab's vocals were nowhere to be found on this album. Not in the background. Yeah. Not in the foreground. They're, there's not like some low, low, low level version of them singing. No, it's, <laughs> it's nowhere. But despite this, they were credited as lead vocalists on the album. These three singers who did sing on the album were good vocalists, but they were not handsome like Rob and Fab. They were older. They didn't have the muscular dancers' bodies of the two Millie Vanilli frontmen. But they got paid, right? They got paid a studio fee. Right. They didn't get royalty fees. Yeah. But they did get paid for their work in the studio. Right. But combine their vocal talents with the hotness of Robin Fab, instant success. I mean, it's looking back, it's very funny what a big deal this was when that's almost the music industry in a nutshell. <laughs> a lot of times, just not so blatant like about it. Yeah. Especially with production, making people who are hotter sound better. Right. Instead of just getting a good singer who right. might not be as hot. Right. Uh, it's just like, it's always sort of putting image over talent a lot of times. Yes. So the following year, in early 1989, Girl You Know It's True was released in the States and a music video followed featuring the duo dancing around. It was like a white background. Yep. It was It was like the drop cloth. <laughs> the drop cloth. It was cloth. like the gray drop cloth. And they were in their little like embellished jackets, right? <laughs> one of them was like blue, one is red. Yeah. <laughs> it was always This is a- all from memory. Okay, okay. Go, tell me the video from memory. The memory from... My memory is that they're in front of a white backdrop. They have like these kind of like... I almost want to say like Prince-esque influenced the jacket with all the gold bling that he kind of used to wear, but his was cooler. The bike shorts, them dancing in tandem. Yeah. (laughs) Like the whole video. There may have been band in the background. There was band in the background. And that was, it was like a very low budget video. Yeah. And I do remember there was like a very triumphant chest bump yep. at, towards the end yep. maybe yep. <laughs> like when it was they weren't singing anymore and it was just kind of fading yep. out or something <laughs> yeah. that's my memory yeah that's basically the video there are interspersed with them with the scenes of them dancing on the set there's like very grainy looking not black and white but the but the color is really desaturated like kind of grainy scenes oh. of them like with a girl oh yeah i don't and remember and one of that. them's in a biker jacket Oh, no, I don't remember that. It's hard to describe, but mostly it's just them dancing in That's front of... That's what I remember. It's like the sheet, yes. like a drop cloth, and they're dancing in front of it. What's their other song? Blame It on the Rain. And then what was the second one? Baby, Baby Don't, don't, lo- don't, don't Lose My Number. And then there was the other one I mentioned. I'm going to mention their, okay. all yeah, their songs. Sorry, I was just trying to think of like all the... Right, but the first is Girl, You Know It's True. This song was hot. It was hot. Yeah. It was such a hit. It was a huge hit. Yeah, they're tossing their hair around in this video. Girl, you yeah, and like the remix. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we're gonna get we're gonna get to that later. <laughs> anyway, that's a good place to take a break. Okay. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. 
With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Millie Vanilli's debut album was released in the States that March of 1989 and was renamed Girl You Know It's True after their hit single of the same name. By this time, Millie Vanilli and Frank Farian had signed with Arista. Fab believes that Arista president Clive Davis knew that it wasn't his and Rob's vocals on the album. Millie Vanilli's manager, Todd Headley, told the LA Times in 1990, Everybody who worked closely with Rob and Fab at Arista knew what was going on. That's why they always tried so desperately to insulate the guys from the press. Sandy Gallen and Clive Davis did not even want Rob and Fab to appear on the Grammy broadcast. Regardless of who knew what and when they knew it, Millie Vanilli were making a ton of money at this point. Yeah. Millie Vanilli went on to have three number one hits in the U.S. with Blame It on the Rain... Baby, don't forget my number, and girl, I'm going to miss you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the third one we couldn't remember. The album Girl You Know It's True would go platinum many times over within the span of a year. While Rob and Fab enjoyed the fame and money that came with their success, the pair struggled to grapple with the massive secret that they harbored. Fab told DJ Vlad that they turned to drugs and alcohol to escape the shame of it all. Millie Vanilli had to turn down an appearance on Arsenio Hall because they would have had to sing live. Ooh. And that's like, if you were an artist during that time in the late 80s, early 90s, if you get invited on Arsenio, you have to go. That's That's, like the biggest show. That's where I first saw Mariah Carey. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, when their early careers, like, got their start and... That show was hot. It was like the hottest show. And it was cool. Like, yeah. So you wanted to go on Arsenio and they couldn't even do that. Even Bill Clinton went on Arsenio. (laughs) That might (laughs) might have gotten him elected. I don't know. It was like one of those things. Right. So they couldn't go because they would have had to sing live. They had to turn it down. Rob and Fab's thick French and German accents became a popular subject of mockery. People wondered if they could speak English, and some people wondered why their speaking voices differed so much from the vocals on their record. Well, and it probably also helped them get out of things, though, because they were like, oh, we don't speak English that well. Right. Yeah. Fab told the LA Times in 1990, every time we gave an interview, the reporters would hear my French accent or Rob's German accent, and they'd say, no way. How could these guys have sung the songs? Hmm. Rob added, we didn't want to do any more interviews. The more we talked, the worse things got. To make my... <laughs> I'm sorry, I just keep picturing him like sounding like Pepe Le Pew or something. Oh. <laughs> like really thick French I accent. I mean, they both had thick... They, you know. Yeah. Uh, to make matters worse, in July of 1989, while out on the Club MTV tour, the computer playing Girl You Know It's True malfunctioned and began skipping during their performance. Oh, Yeah. Now, this is an iconic moment in Millie Vanilli history. <laughs> we all so, know it. I know it by heart. We've I can hear it. <laughs> I can hear it in my head. It has never stopped playing in my head since I first heard it. I'm also laughing at the Club MTV tour. Yeah. <laughs> Hosted by Julie Brown. Yes. Downtown Julie Brown. So we've all seen the clip. It was featured prominently in their Behind the Music episode years later. It was a humiliating experience. Yes. Basically, what happens is they're rocking out to Girl You Know It's True, (laughs) and all of a sudden, it starts going. 
girl, you know, it's girl, you know, it's girl, you know, it's girl, you know. And one of them is just kind of trying to dance through it. It's very, it's like a premonition of Ashley Simpson. (laughs) (laughs) And and Rob ran off stage. He's like, we bailed. He's like, I can't. I'm I'm Rob. I'm just like, I'm not, I'm done. (laughs) I'm not even going to try. I'm fully Rob in this situation. Me too. I don't know how Fab did it. (laughs) (laughs) He did not. So he runs off stage. Um, Rob later said, when my voice got stuck in the computer and it just kept repeating and repeating, I panicked. I just ran off stage. I like that it was his voice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. It's just very funny because it's like, not on my part. Like, why my part? (laughs) Club MTV host Julie Brown chased Rob down after he ran backstage and managed to convince him to go back out there. She said in her Behind the Music interview that no one in the audience even cared and that Millie Vanilli went back out there and performed the rest of their set. Well, the truth is, a lot of those acts, especially probably Club MTV Tour, were lip-syncing their songs. So they were extra embarrassed because they knew it wasn't them. Really? Yes. It had this extra layer. Yes. They felt busted maybe not realizing everyone technically lip syncs at these stupid concerts when it's like a dance con a dance music a dance music concert with lots of different acts yeah they're just not gonna risk it they're gonna put it all on track and like yeah yeah. i mean and that's a common practice but exactly like you said they knew yeah so they were fucking embarrassed Following the concert, concert, Arista hired dialect coaches for Rob and Fab to improve the way they spoke English. They just thought of this. They thought. Of, <laughs> they just thought of this. In December of 1989, Charles Shaw, one of the singers, one of the real, he did the rap oh. on "Girl, You Know It's True," spoke with Newsday in New York and stated that him, John Davis and Brad Howell were responsible for the vocals on Millie Vanilli's album. Apparently, Charles had already gone to the German press that past spring with this information. This was obviously bad news for Millie Vanilli, only adding fuel to the fire that something was off about the duo. That's what made the record a hit, he said. My voice and the guy's looks. Shaw told the paper he was paid $6,000 to perform the rap on Girl, You Know It's True. He said he thought he was just doing it for a remix of the Newmark song. He went on, Frank Farian paid me for my studio work, but he did not pay me to give my voice to two other guys and make millions on it. Newsday reached out to John Davis. He couldn't be reached for comment. And Brad denied the accusation, saying that he was actually one of the writers. But Newsday told Howell, well, we don't see your name anywhere in the credits. I think that's the thing. Like, there's obviously musicians who are hired for studio work, but they're credited. Yes. And these three were not. And Brad Howell said, "Uh, ask Frank Farian. Now, Frank Farian would deny this, obviously, and be like, this guy is just bitter. Well, how do you not have these guys sign some kind of NDA? Or um, pay them more, at least. And, I, or tell them what's happening. I mean, the ball's on this Farian guy. I mean, the other two kept their mouths shut for whatever reason. Right, because if you got paid a lot of money and you knew going in, you might still do it because it's $6,000, right? Like, Right. He didn't know what yeah, this was for. That's what I... Yeah. An anonymous source who worked the Club MTV tour added, they have backup singers who were live. Their bass player was live. Everything else is fake. They tried to sing once. It sounded like German guys singing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's so rude. I don't know, but it's very specific. (laughs) I don't even know why that would be bad. It's it's like so... (laughs) It was absolutely embarrassing. (laughs) The accents were heavy and they weren't very good singers themselves. Millie Vanilli's reps said that they did lip sync during some of the live performances, but it was them singing on the record. Mm. Their manager claimed that they were performing live towards the end of the Club MDV tour. But that explosive news did not stop Millie Vanilli from winning three American Music Awards the following month in January of 1990. 
In February, Millie Vanilli won Best New Artist at the Grammys. Wait, just reiterate something for me. This guy, Charles Shaw, this, his accusation was a news story. Not a very big one. So it wasn't a big news story. It was not a very big news story. The way it, I think, went down is it, it obviously fueled fire to the rumors that people already had with preconceived notions about Millie Vanilli. Like, these guys are fake. These guys they are posers. They don't sound like they ha- sound when they sing. Right. But it was... The way I took it, just from reading so many newspaper articles, was that he was seen more of, like, this guy's a bitter musician. Right. He wants to promote his album. And he's also... He did the rap part. Yes. On it. So maybe they thought, well, he just did the rap part and didn't get credited. Not the whole singing, not all of the singing, right? Like, yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, look, they were nominated and won Amer- yeah. American Music Awards and then a Grammy. That's what I'm shocked about because that all took place after these initial accusations came out. Yeah. So it wasn't, even if it was known, it wasn't taken seriously. It was not taken seriously. But the following month in March, they did get some blowback because they were interviewed for an article in Time Magazine called Two Scoops of Vanilli. This is post-Grammy win? Yes. Okay. This is like right after they won the Grammy. Okay. In which Rob was quoted as saying, musically, we are more talented than any Bob Dylan. What? (laughs) Musically, we are more talented than Paul McCartney. Mick Jagger, his lines are not clear. He don't know how he should produce a sound. I'm the new modern rock and roll. Who said this, Rob? Yeah, I'm the new Elvis. (laughs) Oh, Rob. (laughs) Now, look, obviously people were really furious over this statement because it's absurd. I like how he took down like four of the biggest names in rock and roll history. history. Um, It's really funny. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Especially, no, it's like, this this is like where the table, like things turn because it's like, you could have had 100% sympathy and maybe just kind of skulked away and let it die out. But when you start doing this kind of stuff, this pisses people off where they get on, like today you get on your little computer, <laughs> you start going deep on Instagram or whatever you do. That's what makes people want to take you down. Um, so this was like a huge deal at the time. Uh, like it irritated people. So DJ Vlad asked Fab about this statement. He's like, what was up with that? Yeah. What did he mean by that? Now, Fab said, first of all, we had partied heavily the night before. We might have been drunk when we did that interview. He went on to explain that the quote wasn't accurate and that his comparing Millie Vanilli to these great artists was taken the wrong way and that at the end of the day, Rob did not have a very good grasp on the English language. He said he more meant to convey like, these are our idols. I don't right. know. Like, it sounds bad. Fab gave a combination of explanations for this quote. Right. It was like a combination of, look, he didn't speak English that well. It was taken out of context. And maybe it's disbelief that we're at this huge level that all of these people we idolized what it were at. It sounded like that was more of what Rob was trying to say. Right. But that the person in a room was like, this is going to be great. Yeah. This is going to piss people off. Although it could also, could, it, it, like if you wanted to believe that it was true, it could be like you're so um, insecure knowing the truth that you have to build yourself up or something too. It's such a bizarre yeah. thing to say otherwise. Um, so Rob then told the LA Times later after he made this statement, I was in, sh- I was in shock when I read it, because like, he didn't think he said that. Okay. He said, I am a fan of Mick Jagger and the Stones. I mean, I knew I wasn't singing, so why would I ever criticize the Beatles? All I said was that Elvis was a big idol in his time, and we were big in ours. Right. So it does sound like lost in translation. Possibly. Yeah. Regardless, this certainly did not help Millie Vanilli's image. No. Arista contacted Frank Farian about producing a Milli Vanilli medley track of the Beatles, Rolling Stones, and Bob <laughs> Dylan to pay tribute to these artists. What a bad idea. Fortunately, this idea never came to pass. Somebody was like, no, that's yeah. going to make people more mad. Yes. It would be kind of funny, though. 
I'm sad we don't have it. I'm sad we don't have it either. You know, this is kind of making more sense to me because I, I, I was saying to you off when we took a break that it was like, I, I never grasped why people were so happy about taking them down, but this has probably uh, fueled that fire a bit more. Yes. That people were happy to bring them down. By the summer, Rob and Fab demanded that Frank Farian let them sing on their next album. There was a lot of back and forth between Farian and Millie Vanilli's lawyer. He agreed at first, but when it came time to sign a contract, he refused. In fact, Farian had already put together a new group of singers to perform on Millie's next album. Oh. That's bold. Because aren't they going to sound different? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm not a musical expert, but (laughs) there are different people. Uh, You might as well just have Millie sing it then. And they're all women. (laughs) (laughs) They're all women this time. So he was planning to release this sophomore album in January of 1991. Rob and Fab's lawyer at the time, Alan Mintz, claimed that Clive Davis had known about the battle between Farian and Millie Vanilli to sing on their album since January of 1990. Wow. Before the Grammys. Damn. Arista executive Roy Lott denied the accusation, telling the LA Times, it was their fight, and Arista, as merely the U.S. distributor, naturally never knew the details of their bitter negotiations. We simply understood the statement to mean what it said, that Rob and Fab had finally agreed, decided to agree to work with Frank Farian again. Alan Mintz also claimed that there were communications between Clive Davis and Frank Farian about which singers should be on Millie Vanilli's next album. Ugh. Clive allegedly wanted the same singers from the debut album. I mean, he's a professional. But but Frank was like, no, I got a new group of people. The other ones are pissed. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Millie Vanilli's manager said that anyone who has, quote, worked closely with Millie Vanilli has known from the get-go that these guys do not sing their own material. Rob and Fab were done. They told Farian, we refuse to perform unless we can sing. Mm. Rob later told the LA Times, he blackmailed us from the start. He would not allow us to enter the studio. Then he said the new album was already cut with other singers and it was too late. So we forced (laughs) the issue. He's a white German guy who has a big complex about black artists. He did it with Boney M and he did it with us. He's a control freak. Following this ultimatum, Frank Farian fired Millie Vanilli. And a week later, in November of 1990, Farian announced to the press that the rumors were true. (gasps) Millie Vanilli did not sing on their album. Wow. Immediately following this this admission, the National Academy of Recording Artists and Scientists were in talks about revoking Millie Vanilli's Grammy Award. Especially the scientists. (laughs) Especially the science bird. Like, I knew something was off. This was something that had never happened in the history of the Grammys before, taking away, taking back someone's Grammy. Right. So this was a very big deal. They would be stripped of their Grammys shortly after these reviews were conducted. It was pretty quick, all of this, how all this went down. Fab said that he felt a kind of relief after the truth came to light. Rob told the LA Times, the last two years of our lives have been a total nightmare We've had to lie to everybody. We are the true we are true singers, but that maniac Frank Farian would never allow us to express ourselves. Obviously, there were a million questions about who would Arista knew and when they knew it. Frank Farian told the Associated Press at the time that the record company didn't know anything about the con. He did say that there were some people who asked questions though. But no follow-ups. <laughs> but I didn't answer them. I like that Frank Farian, it's almost like he seems like, but you still love Millie Vanilli. It's yeah. just not those guys. <laughs> That's kind of like his attitude. Yeah. He's like, but they're gone. But Millie Vanilli is the same thing you've always loved. <laughs> you love girl, you know it's true. <laughs> On November 20th, Rob and Fab participated in a legendary press conference. Oof. Now, you know this. I do. You, I do. I watched the whole thing today. <laughs> it's an hour. 
Ugh. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Because I have I had seen several clips of it over the years. Yeah, wow. I don't know that I've seen the whole thing. We're going to go through it. Okay. It's great. Opening the press conference was their new vocal coach, a man <laughs> named Seth Riggs, who opened the press conference by giving a talk about the quality of Robin Fab's voices. Mm. He said, quote, they go up to Pavarotti's high C. Oh. Not like Pavarotti, but they do go up there. (laughs) (laughs) With a vibrato and a quality in their voices. He then presented a video for the press to watch of Robin Fab in the studio singing along to Girl You Know It's True for real this time. Without a vocal track? No. So with a Just, vocal... Tr- no, no vocal track. So they're singing. They're singing over the instrumental. Got it. In the studio. It's a videotape they right. made. And he's like, well, watch this. for See for yourself. Yeah. Desi, it's rough. It's very rough. That's my memory. I remember this. Uh, doesn't Rob sing live too? Or something? The, uh, yeah, we're going okay, we'll to get to that. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I know there was a f- more singing. That, it's, it's... Look. We all need someone... Uh, like this vocal coach in our life. <laughs> He's Gass- so supportive. Gassing us up. He is so supportive, does he? Um, so Fab is seen doing the rap part with a noticeable European accent, quite different than the version you hear right. on the hit single. Rob then comes in on the chorus, and his singing is not great. Mm. In some parts... They- and that's the take they showed us. <laughs> <laughs> and in some parts, it's his singing is drowned out by the background singers. Like they kind of are cranking the, right. the background singers yeah. up. We're straining to hear. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. Then Robin Fab entered the stage. Well, the the conference. Right. That was like the prologue. Then they enter and everyone applaud like applauds. Okay. All the reporters are like, "Yay! It's Millie, Millie Vanilli. Vanilli. <laughs> <laughs> They're here." <laughs> They asked, or they answered questions from the many reporters in the audience. There was like over a hundred reporters there. Oh, this was the biggest story of the day. <laughs> it was huge. One reporter asked, how could you keep doing it for so long? I can see for the first single, but a whole album? And then on the Grammys and on and on and on? Rob explained that Farian had promised that they would be able to sing eventually. He said they accepted the deal because they were both broke at the time, living in the projects in Munich, and they were also living with two other musicians. We wanted to be stars. He gave us a little money up front, $4,000 each. And to them, that was a lot of money. Yeah. He went on to say that they were forbidden by Farian to get their own lawyers and managers. We were scared. People threatened us, Rob said. Clive Davis knew. He promised to help us get... Frank to let us sing on the record. He then apologized to the fans. Reporters were hungry for answers and sometimes downright pissed off. Like people, some of the reporters sounded absolutely outraged. But the anger should be directed at the people in charge. They I were, mean, the majority of they it. They were yelling at Robin Fab so hardcore right. in this. Um, At one point towards the end of the hour-long press conference, the reporters began demanding that Rob and Fab sing right now. They're like (laughs) yelling it at them. We don't even trust that version you showed us up top. Rob kept saying to them, we showed you the tape. They're like, we don't care. We want to hear (laughs) it We want to hear you live. And they start like berating them. Rob and Fab are hesitating and attempting to dodge the request. Yeah. At one point, Rob says, well, these microphones, they're not good quality. I haven't warmed up. I just ate a lot of dairy. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Um, but Rob finally relented. He grabbed the mic, stood up, and began singing the chorus to Girl You Know It's True. Mm. It did not sound good, Desi. No, I remember this very well. Because that's the clip they played. <laughs> Always. Like, if you saw one clip from that press conference, it was this. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Rob. Poor Why guy. did he do it? Ugh. Why? Ugh. You can Fab hear- was just in the background like, <laughs> I ain't fucking doing it. <laughs> you can even hear some of the reporters shouting, yay, as he's singing. Who are these masochists? <laughs> these sadists. Yeah. 
Fab starts rapping. Ugh. He got up. He's like, well, oh, I got to. He had to support Rob. He, had, he couldn't he let, leave him the, hanging. He was just there all by himself singing. And, I know. Poor Rob. I remember it was it was so heartbreaking to watch him like yeah it really was it's awful and people were out for blood they wanted to see these men humiliated i mean the funny it's not funny necessarily but like the i find the line of questioning about like the fans the betrayal of the fans really funny (laughs) because it's like come on like it's like a throwaway pop band Yes, they had fans, but were they really like diehard Millie Vanilli fans out there? Like, I just don't think it's like they had the hearts and minds of this generation or something that they betrayed them. Do you know what I mean? Like, come on. People took this very seriously. Uh, After they sat down after singing for about 20 seconds, the audience erupted into applause. This is so weird. It's it's a bizarre press conference. Like why is why is the press applauding they're, and cheering they're and then cheering. cheering and like whatever? It's like they're applauding for the car crash. It's crazy. They then held up their Grammy awards and Rob said, "So we give this Grammy back now." And then you hear a reporter in the background interject, "Well, the Grammy was already taken away, so <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ned. Fucking asshole. <laughs> well, it's kind of a moot point. <laughs> he, he's like trying to do this symbolic gesture in this asshole reporter. It's like, well, technically. Te- the pedantic. They already took it away from me. Did they give it to someone else that year? I can't remember. No. Okay. There is no best new artist. So they just took it. On Wikipedia, their name is crossed out. It says Millie Vanilli and then crossed like out. Like they and edited. Underneath it says no one. Who were they up against? Do you remember or did you notice? Yes. Nana Cherry. Oh. Oh, God. Who was sold a soul, maybe? Ooh. So there were good people that year. Yeah. I forget I forget the other one. But I know Nana Cherry, they were up right. against her. So they said that they wanted to give their Grammys to the real singers, Brad Howell, John Davis, and Charles Shaw. Multiple lawsuits were filed in the wake of all of this. One of the suits was filed in late November by two radio DJs in Toledo, accusing Millie Vanilli of fraud and of violating the state's consumer laws. Oh, screw these shock, like these morning zoo guys. <laughs> <laughs> Each of those plaintiffs asked for $500,000. No one is hurt by this. It's, no one. It's crazy. The lead singer of the band Blood, Sweat, and Tears filed a $120 million lawsuit against What? (laughs) (laughs) He was hurt, too. This is crazy. He filed a 100... Well, he asserted that uh, they stole the melody for his song, Spinning Wheel, on their track, All or Nothing. I don't know that All or Nothing song. I, I don't know if that lawsuit... That could be legitimate. Right. That could be. But it wouldn't be Millie and Vanilli because we know they didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all Frank Farian. Yeah. There were two class action lawsuits in Philadelphia that charged Frank Farian, Arista, as well as Robin Fab with fraud. Those lawsuits were thrown out by a judge the following year. The weird thing is, though, you bought music that you enjoyed. Does it does it matter who did it? <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> a class action lawsuit was filed in Chicago and was settled, awarding plaintiffs a five percent rebate off of their Milli Vanilli concert tickets. So they each well got, the concert tickets I can see, but they maybe. each got like two dollars back. Yeah. Okay, here you go. We'll we'll give you this one. <laughs> it was still a concert. <laughs> yeah, I... they were dancing. Yeah. You were seeing a performance. They were there dancing. In 1991, Rob and Fab did a commercial for Carefree Gum in which they lip-synced to opera music. Ooh. It's a cute commercial. That's a good idea for them. It's really cute. During the lip-syncing in the commercial, the record begins skipping. And they're kind of like, oops. Yeah. It obviously spoofs their infamous club MTV moment. Meanwhile, Frank Farian put together a new group called The Real Millie Vanilli. Oh, God. <laughs> featuring the real singers, John Davis and Brad Howell. 
He's not on good terms with Charles Shaw. I mean, this is embarrassing. Just cut your losses, Frank. Millie Vanilli's done. They're done. (laughs) In December of 1991, Rob Pilatus returned to his room at the Mondrian Hotel after a late night dinner with Fab. He took a bunch of pills and then phoned the LA Times. He needed to speak with someone immediately. The switchboard operator, Jerry, R- Jerry Wing, picked up and Rob said, please, this is an emergency. I've taken pills. I'm committing suicide. Jerry asked him where he was, but he was slurring his words, barely able to make out the name of the hotel. He was able to determine that it, I'm sorry, she was able to determine that it was the Mondrian Hotel and called for help. When police arrived, Rob was dangling off the railing of the balcony of his ninth floor hotel room. Oh my room. God. He was saved and rushed to Cedar Sinai, where he was held for 72 hours. But the music dream was not over for the duo. Rob and Fab renamed their act, What Else? Rob and Fab. <laughs> they released a music video for the 1992 song, We Can Get It On. Now, the song has a New Jack swing beat and decidedly subpar vocals, considering the vocal talent of the other R&B artists at that time. Right. Like, the beat, you can be like, yeah, it's okay. Right. It's kind of, you know, it's New Jack swing. It's, we like that. It's fun. But they're trying to go into a genre where vocals matter more. Especially at this time, when you think of all the other artists, like, you have Raphael Sadiq. Yeah. And you have Bobby Brown. Yeah. And Mint Condition. You have all these great vocalists. They're great vocalists. Yeah. And so it's just not, it's not up to the level. But they did promotion for this. They actually finally went on Arsenio Hall where they performed live. Oh. And you know what? They gave it their all. I watched this performance. They really gave it their all. They danced their little asses off. Fab's vocals have improved considerably. Okay. He's trying it. He's trying. Like, he's trying to sing. He's singing better. Rob, he's more singing on the chorus in the background. It's mostly, it's really Fab in this song. They're pushing Fab forward. They're pushing Fab forward. Unfortunately, this new act was not a success. Mm. And Rob found himself in legal trouble several times over the next few years. In December of 1995, Rob attacked a man with a lamp while in this guy's Hollywood apartment. Oh. Then Rob called the guy the next day and threatened to kill him. Then in January, he got into an altercation in Benedict Canyon, which resulted in some kind of damage. The paper said this damage was worth $1,600. In February of 1996, he was arrested in Hollywood after he tried to break into a car and then threatened the owner of the car. The owner of the car hit Rob on the head with a metal baseball bat. (gasps) Whoa. Rob was taken into custody and charged with nine misdemeanors. He had been on probation since the previous fall for another crime, auto tampering, so he was in trouble. He was sentenced to 90 days in jail and ordered to go to rehab, which he did complete. The following year, VH1 debuted their series, Behind the Music. Mm. Millie Vanilli was the very first episode. Oh. That was the premiere. Wow. I didn't remember that. At this time, Rob and Fab were working to produce their next album. Suddenly, Frank Farian was in the picture again. He comes slithering back. Oh, boys. <laughs> he probably... I bet he saw him on Behind the Music. Um, so they're both in LA at this point. Yeah. Robin Fab. Yeah, yeah. Uh, At least he wanted to help Rob with his legal troubles, but for a price. Yeah. According to Fab, the help was conditional. He wanted, he would help Rob with his legal troubles if he could produce their next album. Now, Rob agreed to this, but Fab was sort of like, I don't want anything to do with this guy. Yeah. At all. Why? I mean, he's probably trying to make some little novelty record yeah. to get a quick buck, but he's, it's not like a real artistic endeavor. Yeah, Farian's trying to get a quick buck. Rob is really struggling with his alcoholism at this point, right? Um, obviously with his legal troubles. Like, he's not in a good place. And he needs money. And he, needs, and he definitely needs money. So he agrees to this. 
they did work on the album. I, I guess it was completed, but it was never released. Rob had traveled to Frankfurt with Farian to do promotion on the album. Fab stayed home. And tragically, in April of 1998, he was found dead in his hotel room from an overdose of pills and alcohol. The death was ruled accidental. Fab said that Rob was set to travel to India to sober up for good the day that he was found dead. Oh. He was only 33. At the time, Fab was quoted as saying, I am feeling tremendous pain and sorrow upon hearing of the news of my friend and brother Rob. He will always be a part of me. We grew up together struggling and then succeeding. The only thing we wanted was a chance to sing and perform. Millie Vanilli was not a disgrace. The only disgrace is how Rob died, all alone, internally destroyed from the rapid rise and then sudden fall. Hmm. Now, Fab has continued to make music with his solo projects and his work as a session musician. He's also done some public speaking, like motivational stuff. What's his instrument? I'm not sure. Oh. But he's still making music. Okay. He also has done DJing. He's done a lot of like music-related stuff. Okay. Uh, I saw that he was at one point a radio DJ. Mm. He even recently got together with John Davis, the vocalist from Millie Vanilli. Oh. And they did an album and went on a European tour together. I mean, I definitely think there is a, um, it's sort of in vogue right now to sort of have these redemptions for people who were taken down in the 90s. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like Monica Lewinsky is one I can think of where it's like, oh, we treated these people really badly. Yes. For no reason. For no really. reason. And destroyed them. Like yeah. it wasn't like we just whatever. We actually actively or not we, but you know, as a society society actively went after them. Gleefully. Yeah. And for for what reason? These guys did nothing. Yeah. No one was harmed by their actions, really. Come on. Like I mean, <laughs> you can argue that Frank Farian, like the people who were like the powerful people behind yeah. the scenes did stuff that was harmful. I mean, there's, I mean, obviously there's things like they screwed over musicians and like all of that kind of stuff, which is just like the music industry is full of that kind of shit. I mean, we could have done an episode on Boney M because they didn't have, uh, I mean, some of those musicians from Boney M, they didn't have a great, right. Happy ending. I mean, so when I say no one was harmed, obviously I'm not including that, but I'm saying the lie Outside of the musicians who got screwed over. It's not a real it's ma- not really, material harm. No, like, come on. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say the, the, the yeah. I but and, and the punishment yeah, outweighs compa- yes. what, what you might think the crime is yeah. regardless. Like, no, this is crazy. I agree. And why these guys took all the brunt of it. But Clive Davis, he's being honored all the time. Like, yeah. and he probably does stuff like this all the time, like yeah. at varying levels. Yeah. Um, he's been in the industry forever. He's like a hundred. I mean, <laughs> is he still alive? I, he is still alive. I think he is, but he's very old. But you're right. Rob and Fab did take the brunt of the abuse. I just feel like in general, we never blame the people in charge. Yeah. We blame the faces of like the acts get the blame for all this shit. Yeah. Um, Another cool thing that Fab did is in 2016, he did a KFC commercial about being real. It was like for this campaign they had. And right. And it was sort of like a mini documentary. Oh, yeah. It was cute. It was really cute. And he actually sings in it. He can sing now. He's got a good voice in this. Right. So he's been really working. Or maybe that's years. what his session musician stuff is singing. Possibly. Like background, yeah. I thought he sounded great. I thought he sounded great. You can look it up. Just Google Millie Vanilli KFC. Well, hopefully now he can use that scandal to get some money or like attention. Do you know what I mean? Like poking it, fun at it? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he has a sense of humor about it now in hindsight, even though it was obviously a very painful thing that both of them went through. They're so young when that happened. They were... So young. They're in their early 20s. Um, That's like, think about that. Going from nothing and then being like worldwide stars and it's all gone in like a period of what? 
(laughs) And everyone hates you. And everyone hates you. Right. And you were the the whole time, you didn't want this. Right. Right. I mean, it's it's just such an unusual story. It's like nothing has ever happened like this before or after. (laughs) It's wild. It's really wild. Um, Although, I'm sorry, there was another story around the same time with CNC Music Factory. Yes. That's very similar. But they did it to an established artist... A singer. Yes. Uh, and that was the same thing. They got a hotter woman for the um, music video. Right. Um, and then I don't even, I'm not sure how the crediting worked, but that was also a huge scandal. She was an established singer. Her name's escaping me now. She did. Martha, um, it was, Martha Watt from the Weather Girls. She did It's Raining Men. Yeah. So she was in, what's the song? It's a Good Vibration. Uh, CNC Music Factory yeah. was Everybody Dance Now. Oh, Everyone Dance Now. Da, yeah. da, da. I remember da, da, the girl da, da, from da, the video. Da, da, da. Yeah, she was like this model girl. She was a model. Yeah, and it was just like, that's her voice? I mean, even that yeah. was kind of like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's Millie Vanilli. Good. I mean, there's a lot I didn't know. I want to watch this press conference now. It's it's wild. Yeah. It's wild. Um, I was kind of like shaking for both of them because there's just, like a hundred people screaming at them. Yeah, I don't remember that. It's wild. I mean, I feel so bad for them. Yeah. I really do. Um, well, Fab looks great. Seems like he's doing well. How old is he now? 50-ish. Oh. 50, I mean, he's still pretty young. 50-something. Yeah. Um, but he looks great. Good for him. Yeah. I'm glad he got over the hump. Yeah. Like, to the other side. He seems like he's doing all right. Anyway, um, we'll great. post lots of great pictures on our Instagram page. <laughs> Can't wait to see those outfits. We're going to post those spandex capri pants. Uh, okay, cool. All Thank right. you. Bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.